Welcome to the Plexus Secondary Education School Leadership Podcast Series. We are excited to have Carlos Rodriguez, Rashmin Carr, and Cheyenne Smith from Innovate Schools. We'll be discussing how using tutoring is a best practice in building educational success and an engaged parent-family community of learners. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Plexus Leadership Podcast. I'm very excited today to have our special guests, Carlos Rodriguez and Rashmin Kaur and Cheyenne Smith from Innovate Public Schools with us. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Happy Wednesday. It is Wednesday. It's August 31st already. Dang. Um, and as usual, I'm David Linover, a Vice President of the Plexus Foundation. And, um, it's always our pleasure to connect with organizations and schools that are doing incredible work with our families and communities. Um, and the Plexus Foundation and these kind of partners make this possible. And just to learn and what I've learned so far from um, Cheyenne and the team and just connecting already keeps me inspired. And I'm really excited to, to have you share more about what you're doing. Um, and one of the ways we always like to kick it off with our guests is, you know, um, whoever wants to go first, of course, tell us about your journey to innovate. How did you end up there and what kept you inspired to keep pursuing your dream to innovate? I can get started. Um, yeah. That's a question. Um, I am a first-generation um, graduate uh, bachelor's and uh, my master is actually the first woman in my family to receive a master's. Um, and I say that as my credential because uh, education is extremely important in my family, but it hasn't been accessible. Um, and growing up, seeing the racial disparities in you know all of the all of the policy areas is something that really intrigued me, especially in education policy. Um, so that really brought me to innovate, being able to work with parents and advocate for uh, for educational rights, and um, and and at the same time being the research space behind that. Researcher, always important, right? Yep. We, uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing that too, and just. Why research? What is that about it that excites you? So for me, it kind of goes back to, uh, you know, being able to do the qualitative and the quantitative work and the qualitative work is within the education and learning from the stories from parents from kids um, and from their experiences but I also have a very technical and quantitative aspect to me that I like to bring and uh, that's what really brought me in uh, into research to be able to combine both of those things and um, make the best out of advocacy. <laughs> I like it. Thanks for sharing a little bit more about that. I'm always interested. Like, why research? Why that niche? You know, which is cool. I like it. Carlos, how about yourself? Yeah, great question, David. Um, so I think there's various ways to answer the question, but one reason that I was led to innovate, I, I, I um, came out of organizing uh, multi-issue and and then you know working on different types of issues. Um, uh, and working with community on like community-led solutions to different issues. And then at Innovate, I've been uh, focused with community on education. And mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that uh, policymaking, um, at, if, it's, if it's only done sort of at the top level level or at the, in the ivory tower, 
um, it, it will not be as powerful or as transformative as if uh, it's done um, with uh, the imagination and with the ideas and with the dreams and with the heartbreak of those that are most affected by um, by problems in, in education. And so um, one of the, we have different organizing principles that innovate that are kind of our guiding stars and, and we inherited from, from other types of organizing like Sasa Chavez and Ella uh-huh. Baker and others. And one of the principles is um, those furthest away from the problem are, are able, most able to philosophize about it. And so what we like to do is create uh, spaces and campaigns where, where those that are closest to the problems are at the center um, and not just at the center in terms of their stories, but also in terms of their questions, their imagination um, and their solutions. And so um, that, that's that exciting task that hasn't always been easy, but it's always been exciting is what's really kept me kept me going at Innovate and uh, to have our excellent um, uh, Rashmin here, who's a part of our research team and data for the people, right, uh, as sort of like allies in, in that organizing uh, journey uh, is also uh, what's kept me, yeah, at Innovate. I like it. I know because each one is very distinct in the midst of kind of where you're going and what you're doing and what you're engaged in and those things too. Um, and how about you, Cheyenne? Absolutely. Um, well, my personal why is that stories and narratives matter and voices matter. And that the people who are experiencing, someone to what Carlos said, people who are closest to the issue should mm. be the voices that we hear more most about the issue. And um, I personally, and one of the values that we have at Innovate, which continues to keep me connected to the work, especially through communications, is that we are debunking this power narrative that rich, wealthy, high class elected official or uh, you know elected officials and voting members are the people that we should trust to make the, all the decisions for us and those are the people who usually don't look like us they don't come from our experiences they're usually not first generation they're not black they're not latino they're not people of color you know they haven't experienced a lot of the things that they're voting on behalf of. And, um, you know, the last thing I will say is like the polarization that comes through the media oftentimes sticks in politics and forgets about the people. And I think that when we push the narrative from the voice of the people that we can shift the movement and shift and push the need a little bit further. And so um, I value words and I, I think that words matter. And so I always joke around and say I'm an organizer of words. And at Innovate, I am allowed to work with like the most amazing people, whether it's in research and policy, community organizing, people and operations, and even finance and impact to see how can we organize our skills, our talents, our purpose, and our passions to get closer to wins for families. And that win are equitable education opportunities that uh are culturally responsive and that put create environments for students and parents to thrive. And so that's why I'm here and why I do this work. I love it. I feel more inspired all the time whenever I have these kind of conversations to actually go do, continue to do, not just talk. Because we're talking, obviously, 
I think all of us here are doers and engagers, and that's where the life is and keeps us inspired. You know, I'm curious. So the three, as three team members, we obviously have lively discussions and engagements about, you know, interpretations and, you know, policy and things you want to do. Um, what are what are some of the things that you're you're working on or that you're, you're trying to hammer out these days. I know we're, we're going to talk about tutoring and those things as well, but I'm just curious what else you guys have on the hopper at this moment. I can get started again. Um, so yeah. Um, I think, well, there, there's, there's a lot that we're working on uh, specifically, you know, locally uh, versus district wide and then statewide and even national. Um, but, you know, if I talk about the first thing that comes uh, into my head, and that's that's definitely tutoring and really pushing um, our tutoring campaign here at Innovate. And um, I'm so sorry. Would you be able to repeat your question again? I, I remember my response, but I almost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just what you're working on. Because yeah. I know I said we part of um, what we wanted to chat about too is your tutoring initiative, and if I know that's your thrust right now, um, we can just you know chat about that because I think it's a perfect segue. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it, it's definitely um, it's it's definitely the tutoring initiative, and that's given just being able to if you know tutoring has for decades been a you know solution, but it's been available to more privileged families and here at innovate what we are pushing what for what parents are pushing for is to make tutoring more accessible especially to black and latino communities and not not only just tutoring but high quality tutoring is is extremely uh, important to get um, access to and so yeah I'll let, I'll let Carlos t- uh, talk about it a little bit further. <laughs> well, I just, I just wanted to add a little bit that I think what you said is really true is what is tutoring? What does that mean? So Carlos, I know in the midst of your experience, when you're talking to people, what, is it, what does it mean to you and how do you help them understand the greater aspect of what tutoring is? Yeah, of course. Well, and, and Rashmin here, uh, wrote up and and created an incredible tutoring brief that goes into the the ten best sort of practices or ten ele- I have it here at my desk ten elements of high quality tutoring that that we can send out to anyone in the state or in the country that that wants it and um, uh, we can share our our emails with you David to to you know we can we can get that out um, I've, I've literally been using that with parents like. And in, in big group meetings and in uh, back to school nights, giving out the the, the the 10 elements. And I know that that there's colleagues of mine that have been doing that across the state. Um, so, I mean, there's been hun- there's hundreds of copies of it out and it's really sort of taking um, the research and, and really condensing it into 10 elements. But to your last question a little bit, I think the the other thing that I'm really thinking about is it's it's. Um, the reason parents led us to tutoring um, or to the tutoring gap, or I've even called it the tutoring desert, right? Which is like, um, uh, is there's this larger context that we've all been living in these last few years. And it's in its, um, in terms of the pandemic and its impacts and both in terms of the quality of learning that students were offered 
and the, the, the impact of the pandemic, like the communities that were most impacted. Uh, I mean, we were all impacted, right? And a lot of people lost people that were close to them. Um, but in particular, when you look at the data across the board, not just in education, there were certain communities in the country that were the most impacted. Yes, that's uh, absolutely true. Yep. We, we, we're Facts big show it. It's factual. It's there. The data is there. <laughs> yeah, it's factual. And so, you know, I was think we were talking with the superintendent here in uh, superintendent's office um, here in L.A. yesterday about sort of like tutoring is couched within, within a larger conversation of how do we pour in extra resources and the right resources and the right plans into those communities that were the most affected by the pandemic, right? right? Not a coincidence, right? It was, it was particular types of, of communities uh, and, um, you know, black students, Latino students, special ed students, English language learners, foster students, like those are the students that need the most help. And that unfortunately, the academic data is going to show have fallen behind the most. And then also in terms of the mental health impact. So, uh, you know, tutoring is like, I think our focus right now, but but our parent teams are talking about other other things, right? We just had uh, somebody on our team do a, a bullying webinar yesterday, and oh, nice. um, so there there are some other connections with mental health and and other things that we're also um, we're also moving on, right? Maybe maybe we're not as far along uh, in terms of creating a campaign as with tu- uh, high quality tutoring, but our parents are organizing in other areas as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's important to to name. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I wanted to just add to, not necessarily add, but just to echo is that like, um, I think it's important to understand the journey of how tutoring happens. Like we don't have to convince, we don't have to convince parents who want educational equity, educational change of anything, right? Like tutoring is not um, a one-off thing. It's not an advantageous campaign that allows us to be inserted in this conversation. Just to be honest, if you look at our work from the past three years, most of what we've talked about was ahead of what policy, before the policy conversations happened, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because tutoring came about after a collective group of parent leaders across the state, tutoring through Innovate came about after a collective group of parent leaders from across the state came together and understood that if they do not get further on the front lines, or they've already been on the front lines locally, but statewide um, and even now nationally, gotten closer in the front lines to push for a full academic recovery for the students hardest hit by the pandemic. And research shows that tutoring is an effective way for that, for to mitigate the learning loss, to mitigate the social emotional impact, to mitigate the, the what students, yes. schools and parents experience through, you know, when schools closed through distance learning throughout the pandemic. Min, much of our organizing campaigns do not, are moving parallel to tutoring, right? Tutoring is one thing. However, we have parent leaders team focusing on students with special needs, English learners, black student achievement, um, translation and um, interpretation. And so when you think about like outcomes, tutoring helps reach the outcomes regardless of the subject category campaign. And I think that's important to to just name because 
usually um and you know the way politics goes like okay we got tutoring we got expand learning opportunities now okay let's move on to the We're next done. topic oh, yes. right. <laughs> not, like, but that's like you're just getting started like oof. right and it's cyclical it's ongoing because it's the hundreds of years of a system that we're trying to change. And not just us at Innovate, but all of these people in this space, whether it's staffers, policymakers, you know, teachers, parents, organizers, researchers, like everybody's trying to bite off, you know, this, this piece of like, what does schools look like in the future? And mm -hmm. what do we do in terms of academic recovery? And at Innovate, how can we ensure that the students hit hardest by the pandemic? Black students, Latino students, students of color, low income, students with special needs, students with disabilities, English learners, immigrants, foster students, homeless students. I mean, like these are just the, the we could run the gamut, you know, and um, and the last thing I would say is that when you think about LAUSD, the second largest district in the country, or even when you think about San Francisco USD, you know, you think about all the, the school districts across the state is at the end of the day, they can't do it alone. Right. They can't do it alone. They cannot do it alone. And so the work that our Innovate does through our parent leaders, because we joke around, but we really work for our parents, right? Like the work that our parent leaders are charging forward with is ensuring that the most marginalized voices historically continue to have not a seat at the table because they come to our table they come and meet with us we meet with them they meet with us but that the the most marginalized voices are the ones that are pushing and and providing the narrative around the policies that are being made very well said i like that you know i i, I was thinking about a podcast i had with one of the principals from uh Newton North High School in Boston. I don't know if you're familiar with Boston. It's a Newton North. Newton is a, is a wealthy town. And the um, principal there has a really interesting story. Um, he actually made national news with some of his comments on some of the, um, the cases that went bad and where you know, African-Americans were just hammered by the press and all the suppression and things that were happening continues to happen. And one of the things... We were talking about, he, he actually wrote a book and he published it. And it's Henry Turner, the principal of Newton North High School. And it's a book out right now called Change the Narrative, How to Foster an Anti-Racist Culture in Your School. And the thing that was great about talking about that is he's keeping that conversation alive. He's not letting it die. He's not saying it's over. He's not saying things are solved. He's like, we have to put practical things in place to solve these problems and change people's perception of what the reality is in it. And um, it's, it's, he's a really neat guy and he's doing some very, very cool stuff. And to be in this district where he faces all sorts of other kinds of discrimination and that's what he's doing and to keep engaged, um, just really, really neat guy. I can send you more information about it, but um, I've been reading it. It's a really interesting book, um, very practical, focused on faculty and how change can happen. And I love the enemy. That's what you're doing too. And that's what I hear you saying is, you know, with the organizing and the research is how can we affect change now? And how can we empower people to affect change now? And I understand too, that you, you work with some school districts like Bell um, and some others in, in south, Southeastern LA County. And, um, if you wanna share more about that, kind of how, you know, what pathway did you go to get to those districts to be able to talk to them? Cause obviously they're just like us, right? They're people, 
once you start talking to them and you get them excited, they can talk about more. But what did you all do together to keep them engaged and help them move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of what we do, well, there's two big things that I, and simple things, but simple, but, you know, it takes energy and, and it takes a campaign. Um, and so we here in LA, we work with Los Angeles Unified, which some of these smaller cities sort of contract out their educational, you know, uh, systems to, and um, oh, yeah. we have made some, some good progress uh, there. Um, and then also, I think something really exciting and it goes along with what Shai, Shai was saying, um, both in San Jose, but then also here in the, in the Southeast cities, we were able to engage civic, um, you know, city leaders around using some of their American rescue plan money, um, mm, mm. federal money from the COVID relief, using that for educational purposes, using that for high quality tutoring. And really what, what it, uh, um, Similar to what Shai was saying, it's it's really asking the question. Um, what it took was 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 first, first of all, building power, right? Like having enough parents there to say, like, we want this in our city, yeah, right? Yeah. And, um, but really helping public officials st- stretching their imagination of what their role is when it comes to education, especially after the pandemic, right? So, for them as city leaders. Because typically, right, especially before the pandemic, um, you know, cities would do some stuff with with like enrichment and parks and rec, but not typically tutoring. That wasn't, at least from what I know, the history I know, that that's not typically where a city sort of invests their resources. That's and, true. You don't hear about that. That's very true. And so <laughs> it is something very innovative that, that that we've been able, that our parent leader teams have been able to accomplish both in San Jose and in Southeast LA. And so I, I think a lot of that has been sort of stretching the imagination of, of city leaders, civic officials to say, um, that, that my my community was impacted during the pandemic the youth and the students. And so um, how can I stretch my imagination of, about the use of public funds to um, create uh, opportunities uh, for um, for uh, recovery, um, both socio-emotionally and, and academically? Um, and then we've been working also with, at least here in Southeast LA, and I know in San Jose as well, how do these, uh, how do these civic officials also claim their voice um, in terms of 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 uh, partnering with the school district, right, to to ensure that their communities are are getting supports directly at the schools as well for yeah. for tutoring. Yeah, I like that. And and I would imagine in the loop of the engagement, there's still research going on, Rashmi, that you're working on to keep this informed and track these changes and keep showing the efficacy of what you're doing. Yeah, I think that um, some of the research um, that, you know, that we've been mentioning with the the, the brief 10, 10 elements of high quality tutoring is, is almost like a checklist to be able to see whether you are in Southeast LA or in San Francisco, any region, to ensure that whatever tutoring program parents are, uh, you know, engaging with or assessing, they can understand like whether it is of high quality. Um, and yeah, and I'm, I'm, and I would love to just, you know, uh, kind of, you were asking uh, a little bit earlier around what, what tutoring really is and what high quality is. And yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, as and as I mentioned earlier, that there is research that's been out there for decades that like, you know, high quality tutoring is high dosage and like the ratio of what makes tutoring, um, you know, most effective one-on-one to one to four um, ratio, the number of sessions per week, or the importance of integrating data. But something that really what we're doing as researchers that innovate um, is to bring bring this conversation a little bit further through the best practices where we're talking and being very clear about tutoring, not being homework help and that independent learning is the goal of high quality tutoring. Um, And these conversations about independent learning and whether tutoring is homework help or not, and just, and and just the the remainder of the elements are not, are are definitely not accessible to low income families or black and Latino families and all the other, you know, communities that we're trying to um, get in touch with here at Innovate. So that, that is something that we're, we're, the, the kind of research that we're bringing to be to be able to hold districts accountable as well as our other tutoring providers that we're partnering with. I mean, that's so, it's so good to hear you share that in the midst of the research that's been done and it's not just homework help. And I know Carlos, you mentioned that too and Cheyenne, that it really is that approach with the social emotional learning, which is within education, it's, it's a hot topic because it should be. <laughs> You know, it's not going to go away. Absolutely. Um, even, the, even the friction it causes amongst um, individuals who can't see beyond their nose, for lack of a better statement, to understand what that really means. You know, this, the concepts around it and that kind of learning that you not only provide the students who receive the training, but the parents and the community members who get to receive the benefits and see these kids thrive. And it really impacts us as parents. We. I mean, when my kids go through that, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. My life is better. And yeah. all of those parents. Social emotional learning is, I, I absolutely agree, is, is, is key. And um, it, it's being able to really look at a child as the whole child. The concept that's, you know, really brought up a lot in uh, parallel to social emotional attention. Um, but in, in terms of tutoring and in the tutoring world, it also has a lot to do with relationship building and building rapport. Um, so, yeah, I know that when, when we were sharing earlier about um, unlimited tutoring and our foundation, the, the rapport and that consistency is absolutely key. Can you deliver it consistently? Um, I, 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 you know, my background's been higher ed for many, many years. And when I started at Cal State Monterey Bay in admissions, we were, for lack of a better term, we were a mess. There were things and systems and processes that just weren't working because we weren't delivering the basics of what we need to really, really well, like super high quality. Even though there was a lot of creativity, those baseline things weren't even being delivered well. So the family members who would be the most hurt by our system failing were being hurt. Because as you know, the Cal States, we serve underrepresented students, first generation, low income, And if you're already on that fence of choice and you know that there's just one more little thing that's going to push you away, it will push you away. And and I hated that those things were in the way. And it was, we changed it fortunately and we made a big difference, but it takes all those places to kind of think that way and engage that way and not put your hands up and go, well, not my job. 
I, I don't need to worry about it. And I love to hear that you guys are on the ground with the parents pushing and engaging them to help them understand the advocacy, what it means. So when you, when you, with the tutoring and what you're doing and the stuff you've done with the parents to empower them to go to the districts and have this kind of conversation, how's that been with them? And, and what have you done to you know, engage them and help them understand their role? Yeah, we have a, we have a pretty rigorous, I would say, organizing model that we invite parents into mm. um, that's rooted in really two things. It's rooted in community and in power building. Um, and so the community aspect is what I always tell parents or the metaphor I use is, you know, if there's a, there's a big wall uh, that's an obstacle to you getting to where you want to go. Um, if it's one finger pushing on the wall, it's, it's, you know, it's not gonna do much to, to turn the wall over, but like if, it, if it's a, if it's a fist of a bunch of fingers that are organized, that are working together, that are on the same page, that are aligned, you know, if it's a group fingers, um, then, then we might have a fighting chance to, to, to clear some of those obstacles. Um, and so we talk a lot, you know, there's, there's a, we have a whole, we have a parent leadership institute that we offer um, twice a year. We have a national training team that offers that uh, where we invite uh, parent leaders from across the country and train them mm -hmm. on our organizing model. Um, so a lot of our parent leaders have gone through that. And, um, and then, yeah, our organizers are trained in the, in the same model as well. And, and, um, and there's a whole process in terms of how do we, how do we create strong relationships with one another, right? That's like our one-to-ones. How do we learn together? That's our research meetings. And then how do we, how do we act together, which is our actions once, once we, once we focus. So the big thing we always say, also say is, or I always say is like education. I mean, if you looked at all, if you try to solve all the problems in the educational system at once, you're going to overwhelm yourself. It's like trying to eat the whole cake. So you have to, the group has to choose, okay, what, what's the first slice that I'm going to try to eat? And, and so how do we, how do we focus, right? How do we issue cut is, is the sort of formal word we use. And, and so then we, we like tutoring is one of these things that like parent leaders were like, okay, let's focus on that first. Um, um, and so uh, that's another, that's a part of our model. So it's, it's, um, and then throughout that whole process, cause then it, it sort of is a, is a process that's cyclical, it's really, I think, what makes us unique and what parent leaders really love about Innovate is our, our uh, focus on leadership development. And so, oh, yeah. um, nice. you know, when I, when I meet a parent or when any of our organizers meet a parent, we don't just think about like, oh, it's great to have another body in the room. <laughs> we, we really try to think about, we really are, are trained to, 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 to think about them as, as people with uh, powerful stories that yeah. can, that can, that can move us, that can move reality and, and can improve reality. And so, um, and, 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 and part of our goal is just like, you know, let's say you have a parent that's really shy when they start out at your, in your parent leader team, how do we like walk with those folk, um, create relationship and, and journey with them so that they, get to get to the point and 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 shy and rashmin have seen this uh where they get to the point where they're able to to ask a tough question of a state senator right like 
I mean, it's so exciting yes. to like have to have met someone a year or two years ago that barely could tell their story in front of another group of parents, and then two years later have them um, ask a tough question of a senator, a state senator. It's just, I mean, that makes it that makes it all so powerful and so worth it. So. Um, that's a long-winded answer to your question, David. <laughs> but I love that gets you excited to see the parents advocating for themselves and being able to grow and change and see what they can do. And from everything you guys have shared, boy, our time is always so short, isn't it? It's like, we could talk about this for hours, and we do, and we will, for sure, because um, that's part of what we do in our roles and our work is, you know, when I, when I look at the conversation we have, I look at the work I get to do, I try to live this out and work out every day. It's not just go to the office and do it when I go home, it's over. It's how are my interactions with everybody I come into contact with and how am I empowering all those individuals? I know it, sound, it may sound silly, but it's, it's the way I love to live out my life. Um, and it makes a difference for me. And if, if, we can, if I can have that kind of impact and show someone something that they didn't see and be able to listen to their experience to see what else we can do. That's one of the biggest things as well. Um, and I just want to say, it sounds like Innovate does a great job listening to the community. Uh, I applaud you for that. That's a huge part of being an advocate is listening. And sometimes just stepping back and going, you got this. I'm going to step back because I've listened and we've empowered you and we're going to do it. It sounds like you do that a lot with the parents. Yeah, it's a core value. And I think one thing to name also is that we are the community. Many of our stories that led us here had to do with our educational experiences. Like, If you look at, well, they're black and white now, but if you look at our photos of our teams, you can see what, like, our, our makeup is what our communities look like, right? Our parent, one of our parent leaders is the, is the, is the chair of our board, right? And so it's, one thing to listen to the community it's another thing to be the community right and and build up other community members and build their capacity for some who may need some online learning and literacy training right because right. they never knew zoom or gmail before the pandemic not they didn't know it but they didn't have to use it every day or um schoolology I'm, i don't know the other i might be a little outdated with the yeah. systems that the schoology. schools are using schoology but um, parent square and oh my goodness there's so yeah, many it's things. a lot it's it's siloed and and so um one thing to mention is like though we advocate in the larger spaces like i would say our rap team and you know our comms team like we're advocates right because we're expanding and pushing that information, but we're organizers. And there's a difference between being an organizer and an advocate. Because when you're an advocate, you can kind of still stay away from the work, right? You can just amplify and elevate it. But when you're an organizer, sure. um, and in this or in the organizing space, part of you being a community organizer, an organizer, even if you think about it in a corporate space, like an event organizer, you have to have one-on-one -on -one relationships with people, whether they're your vendors, right you have or, or key all key stakeholders and that's what it means to organize and what differentiates innovate is that our parent leaders organize around educational equity and they build power from the people experiencing the issues and so listening is one thing right we can have a research meeting and people listen but taking action and pushing yeah. the needle that's where the hard work is 
that's 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 the secret sauce that we're trying to get back to. That's that Ella Baker old school freedom writers, like you know, um what I'm thinking of Cesar Chavez, like the farm workers that I think I'm forgetting the name, sorry, but when you think yeah. about like when true Man, change has happened, Vagara, like the big cases, those came from organizers. The organizing and Rashmin organized uh, literature, right? Organized research. Carlos organizes people. Like comms, we organize the words, right? And then leadership, they're organizing funds and organizing partners and everybody. I mean, I could run the gamut around like how we do it at Innovate, but I just have to say that because we are organizers and that is the that is powerful. Very, very powerful. I like it. Uh, I, that's very well said. And it definitely changes the perspective of what you mentioned about advocate versus organizers and engagers, especially within your organization. I mean, sounds like from what you've told me and who you are with me, everybody's engaged on all the levels, understands what's happening and um, it, just powerful, makes a big, big difference. I mean, there's a million different questions I could ask. That's that's the fun part about this. It's now it keeps me inspired to keep asking more and keep pushing for more. Um, I have a I have a friend who is running for the East Side Union Elementary School District Board down in San Jose. Min Fong, great. He worked for me at Cal State Monterey Bay, and now he's running for their Ed Board. He's local, great guy. Um, he kind of fell into it and loves it and. It's fun to see him in that kind of space and who I know him to be and to be able to support him and his desire to make a change within the school district from that angle. It also excites me to see Innovate going, oh, we're going to be here too. We're going to be here too. Yeah, asking you the questions at the board meetings, bringing these issues up and bringing the parents to the table. And I'll be like, hey, man, you know, Innovate's going to be there asking you the questions, making sure you have the good responses. And it's what I love about him, too. He's completely willing to have that kind of dialogue as well. And that's who we want to make that kind of change, too. But the parents, I know it's the parents and the organizers. Um, I know we, we have a few more minutes. And, you know, when I, before we start, I'm like, hey, I'd love to end with what are you guys thinking about next? I know you have the tutoring. I know it's bigger than tutoring. I'm just capsulizing at that. What else is on the burner for you all in, in the midst of what you're working on? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Carlos, you want to go ahead? Go ahead, Sal. You can, you can. <laughs> no, um, I mean, like, does the work stop? What's next? What's next is ensuring that the money for tutoring is allocated for the programs that are set out through, the, through the, the budget, the state budget, the local budgets, the school district budgets. Um, one of our principles is organizing is reorganizing, right? And so though tutoring is like sort of like our main focal point at the moment, it's more than just sharing a narrative and building a shared definition around what tutoring is. It's actualization and implementation of the promises made from the governor, from local school districts, from learning um, for LEAs, and then also ensuring that this information is widely known so nonprofit service providers have access to the funds that are available. 
Um, but I will say it's hard to say what's next because we didn't know that this was next yes, a year ago, right? But our campaigns continue to elevate and amplify given the political, the political landscape that allocates money, allocates dollars. Because if, you know, the sec Secretary Cardona right now said high quality tutoring is the issue, we are now giving <laughs> $1 billion to each school district, then we're going to be right there at each school district looking at the budget, looking at the opportunities, ensuring that there's no carryover in the budget, ensuring that the money is being used for students and ensuring that the process is equitable in terms of uh, translation, in terms of language, in terms of opportunities, in terms of access, in terms of what we've defined through our tutoring brief as high quality, you know, tutoring and then, you know, and keeping that going. And so, I, it's hard to say what's next because this isn't done. This could be two years long, right? And then it could be elevated into so many different spaces. I will add, though, um, I completely couldn't couldn't have said it better than Shai, um, but there are 3.5 billion low-income students in California, and the work doesn't stop until we get access to a high-quality tutoring to these 3.5 billion students. Um in, in California and, and in the nation. Million, I'm sorry. I heard, I, I know what you mean. It's just, there's so many people to help in the midst of what's needed. And I love that you're doing it and you're making a difference every day. Um, and I know that I'm excited too, to continue our conversation with about our foundation and what we have and how we can, what we can do together. Because we, we, we're doing it right now, but hey, this is just the starting point still. What can we put in place? How can we make that difference together? Because um, it's like you all said already, it's, it's the people that get the passion, that have the drive to engage and make that difference every single day. Wake up and enjoy it and be inspired by it. So I really appreciate the conversation. And I think I said this before, I feel like I've just gotten to know each of you a little bit. Um, and it'd be great to continue talking and engaging and, you know, maybe I'll run into you at the store. Who knows? Like, just, it's great to have, uh, colleagues and people that I'm getting to know throughout, you know, education and advocacy and organizing industry and more than an industry, obviously is really moving that forward and make a change in our society and beyond. So I appreciate you so much, David. We really appreciate it. Thanks for creating the space. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank again, thank you all for thank being you. here. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.